Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So the Utah Jazz get her done. They beat the Sixers 106-104. Great third quarter. Kind of held on at the end there. I was waiting for them to slam the door and win comfortably. And the Sixers inched back into it, but could never get closer than two. Couldn't tie the game up. And the Jazz get out of there with the win. Simmons only played 10 minutes. Uh, hurt his shoulder. Going to be reevaluated in Denver. AC sprain. So that obviously changed the game. That was a break for the Jazz. And man, I thought Embiid was just completely gassed and out of shape. But he did find a way to get himself fouled and get to the free throw line late in the game. And he ended up scoring 27 points and grabbing 16 boards. So I guess for an exhausted guy, that's something. He fouled Rudy out at the end. But the Jazz get the win. We'll have more on that coming up in the best of the postgame show in a few minutes. Right now, though, Time to talk a little college football. BYU, after uh, a three-game losing streak, suddenly has back-to-back wins over the couple of Mountain West opponents. The offense producing, despite the fact they've had to play three different quarterbacks and multiple running backs. Here's Aaron Roderick, the passing game coordinator, meeting with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Quarterback-wise, what has gone into these guys essentially being able to play at the same level regardless of who's in there? Um... Well, they, <laughs> I don't have ex- I don't know exactly the answer up to that, um, but that is part of the plan. Was we're trying to build a stable of quarterbacks that have similar attributes and can run the same offense, and and uh, you know the, the goal is to not have any drop off when when the next guy's up, and you know it's far from perfect right now, but. I, you know, we, we even though each guy is a little different from each other, we're running the same offense with that we ran with Zach and that we ran with Jaron and, and now and now Baylor can do it and uh, and Joe Crislow can come in and do the same stuff. I have a lot of confidence in him as well. So are you guys? You're not. An, is it same as last week? You're not announcing it. Or yeah, you... we're not going to announce it. All four guys practiced today, though. Uh-huh. All, I will say that all four guys took reps in practice today. Um, and but in the case of Zach and Jaron, it's still kind of day to day to see how ready they could be. So, um, but we're not going to announce who's starting. Yeah, there's just no reason to. Jaron didn't pass. Has he cleared protocol or? Um, tell us that? I don't know the official answer to that, but I know that he was able. He's, he did practice today. So I don't. As far as whether or not he can actually play in a game yet, I'm not positive. But he's practicing. So that's usually. Are you surprised, though, that you've had three quarterbacks coming in three successive games and you've produced all three of those guys have produced at a pretty high level, like in your heart of hearts? Um, I would surprise isn't the word. I, yeah. I actually, I mean, when you play a team like as good as Boise or Utah State, I and mean, those are good teams, you never know for sure what the outcome will be. But I had a lot of confidence that. Baylor would play well against Boise, and I had a lot of confidence that both of them could play well in the Utah State game. Um, again, you, yeah. I didn't know what I didn't know how well they would play, but I, I felt confident that both of them could lead our team to a win, and uh, and I I've, I felt that way about both of them for a while because because of how they what they do in practice. What makes Baylor tick? How would you describe him? Yeah. You know, um, he's just I would say he's just. Uh, um, unbothered by anything he just you know the pressure doesn't seem to bother him um you know he he just you know he just uh thought he just managed managed the situation just like like a veteran player you know he just he just and he kind of has that air about him where he just he's a mellow guy but don't mistake that for he's a competitor he's a really competitive guy he's a tough guy and um i would just say yeah he's 
doesn't seem to be bothered by pressure. Is that one of those things that guys are just born with almost, the, the ability to just not be caught up in the moment almost? Some guys show up with more of it than others, yeah. but I think it's something you can develop. Okay. And we do work on developing that. Because if you're just a flat line guy, then you can't lead a team. You've got to have some sort of passion and some sort of uh, leadership qualities to lead a team. So, you know, Baylor's a mellow dude, but I don't want to give the impression that he, he doesn't lead because he does. And, uh, but his, I think he's just inspired our players with his play. And, and uh, you know, the way the effort that Jaron gave on a couple of those plays where he put his body on the line to get the ball across the goal line, I mean, the guys want the guys will play for you if you if you if you give it up like that. When you say you've said before, Baylor's a kind of an underrated athlete, a better yeah, athlete. Yeah. What is that? Just uh, foot speed or? Yeah, I mean, if you if you look up his high school highlight film, it's mostly him running the ball, uh-huh. and he was recruited by Nevada when they were running the pistol uh-huh. to play quarterback in that offense, and he mm-hmm. signed with them. And I recruited him at Utah when we were running Travis Wilson a lot, and mm-hmm. he fit into that kind of stuff as a runner so he's he's an underrated athlete for sure and and uh there was even talk when he first got here about playing him at receiver or safety so he can run is he is he on the same caliber athlete as his brother um or are they just different he's close yeah yeah yeah. that's not that's not a stretch i mean baylor's a little he's got he's been a little you know, he's gotten knocked around a little bit the last couple yeah. of games, so you know he's not running like a wide receiver every day. But, yeah, he's, he's an excellent athlete. And we run the same plays we run with the other two quarterbacks. Yep. Have you ever heard of a, a program with four guys that have won games <laughs> at quarterback? I haven't. I'm not sure. That, uh-huh. I, I know, yeah, that, I'm glad you mentioned that because – Pretty – I'm, gl- I'm actually glad you mentioned that because uh, – Joe Crislow has won games here before, yeah, and yeah. none of us have forgotten that. And we, uh-huh. we, and he, he shows that in practice. And, and um, like, if it comes to playing him, no hesitation at all. He's, he's a proven guy, too. There's Aaron Roderick, BYU's passing game coordinator. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more college football. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, time to bring Riley Jensen and our college football insiders on the Sprint special guest line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? We are doing well. Where should we start? Well, why not with the Pac-12 race? It's Utah. It's Oregon. Why should we keep our eyes on this thing for the next three weeks? Can, uh, Can the country... And the conference look away and just look back at the conference title game and find 11-1 Utah and 11-1 Oregon? Or is there a surprise looming out there? Well, I sure, I sure hope there isn't, um, both for the University of Utah's sake and for the Pac-12's sake. I think it would be you know, just super exciting and a, and a really cool thing just for the state of Utah if if both teams were able to finish out. I think I think it gets a little bit tricky in the, in the fact that <clears throat> I don't want to go against 
what I've always said, and that is there's always a surprise in the Pac-12, and there's always a slip-up, and there's always some sort of weird head-scratcher type of game. And certainly if you're the University of Utah, you need to make sure that you take care of business by literally playing one game at a time, one play at a time, one practice at a time, one rep at a time, because this, you know, psychologically to me, this is where it gets a little bit tricky. You're in a, you're in a place that you haven't been in a while. Now, University of Utah has won plenty of Mountain West Conference championships and WAC championships and those sorts of things, but this is a position where everybody is going to be excited. Everybody's going to be talking to every football player on this team about what their chances are of finishing out the season undefeated and those sorts of things. And it's going to be, it's going to be a, a tall task and a difficult task for coaches to keep those guys focused on, on what's going on right now and what's going on today in practice and what's going to happen in the next game. And I, you know, obviously you could say that for, for Oregon as well. Those teams, I mean, Pac-12 teams are good football teams. I mean, you look at Oregon State, who everybody thought was going to be terrible, and they're, you know, they're scoring what 58 points this weekend on on teams. And so, you just you just have to be aware that hey, to finish out, even though that was a big game this weekend, there's still really good football teams and really good football players that you're playing against. That if you're not aware, you could slip up. Oh, bull crap. I said bull crap, Riley. Come on. They're going to roll. They're going to smoke these teams. They can give a B effort and win. They're way better. They can put it on (laughs) cruise control and just waltz into Santa Clara on December 6th. What are you talking about? Some for some reason, I see what you're doing here. Hey Riley, <laughs> hey hey Riley, how much how much does Kyle Winningham hate PK's guts right now? Because he knows it's true. <laughs> he, he he can't he cannot stand the way PK's talking. Now look, I know I know that you want to come at me, and I know Gordon Monson Monson would come at me as well, and he would say, you know, oh come on, that's just coach speak, Riley. One game at a time, one play at a time. But really, it is super important that these guys are focused on it. And I know that if if Kyle was listening to you right now, PK, he would be absolutely cringing. Like, please, don't talk to any of my players. (laughs) With that kind of an attitude. But see, you take it from, oh, no, this could go wrong. See, I'm Mr. Positive and always have been. I take it from the angle of, hey, they had this big game against Washington, expended a lot of motion. Now they have a bye week to get ready. This will increase the intensity because now the goal is right there in front of them. Three games to go. So you don't have to worry about one play at a time. Let's take it a half play at a time. Let's not go one whole play. Let's just let's just, just huddle up. Let's just get in the huddle, and then after we break the huddle, then we'll we'll go to the line of scrimmage, and we'll just focus on that. Then when we line up, we'll just focus on that. Then And come on, they're going to roll now because they see the goal. Calm yourself down. I'm going to have to start calling you the scarecrow, Mr. Strawman argument. This is what I'm trying to tell you. When you take care of the next rep, when you take care of the next practice, when you take care of the next game, or when you take care of the next play, that does take care of the next game. That is positivity. That is having a plan. So don't argue against me. We're together here. Stop trying to be divisive. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're together. We're both positive. They are going to roll if they take care of the things that are in front of them each day instead of thinking no. about three games ahead. They're going to roll uh, if they unlock the gates. <laughs> Yeah, Kyle hates really? you. Kyle, really? Kyle definitely hates you. <laughs> yes, have you seen their talent versus the talent that they're playing? <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not even arguing with you anymore. You know what this reminds me of? What? It reminds me when I tell my seven year old that it's time to go to bed because it's dark outside <laughs> and she says it's not dark outside. Guess what? The argument's over because we're not on the same playing field at that point. <laughs> so Kyle never talks with over. Out of the mouth of babes. Kyle never talks about injuries, Riley, but he volunteered in the uh, last media availability that the bye week comes at a great time and that Tyler Huntley's should be 100% for the UCLA game. If you're the offensive coordinator, how much does that change the uh, the playbook and the play calling? How limited have they been by the fact he's hobbling around and how much will they change this going forward? Well, I don't think, I don't think it changes that much. In fact... <laughs> Tyler was really, really tough in the game on Saturday. I thought it was one of his more gritty performances. And I know he's been banged up before, but, man, I mean, some of the hits that he took, some of the plays where he put his head down, and then some of the plays where he just stood in the pocket and made great throws. I mean, I don't think it changes that much. because Number one, you need Tyler Huntley to make this run. So, if you are going to run him, it's going to be selective and it's going to be in a, in a smart way, not in a way that's going to um, expose him to a lot of hits. And then secondly, I just think that the the game plan that they've had over the last couple of weeks has been really, really good. I'm, I, man, there were some big-time plays and some big-time calls in that game. And I think what I'm enjoying about the University of Utah, and really this is true with any good team, and I'm working with Weaver State a little bit right now, um, the, the teams that are great teams, it feels like every single game it's a different person that steps up to win it, right? Like the catch by Nakua and the and the catch by Ennis and, you know, some of the different plays that happen in this game. Yes, it's super important on how good Tyler Huntley's playing and Moss, I feel like, makes this University of Utah team a totally different team. But when you have guys like Nakua and Ennis and and you have Julian Blackman, you know, playing great defense and getting interceptions and, you know, Anai making sacks and, and really just causing trouble on the defense. It's, it's fun to watch this University of Utah team because there are so many different players in different games that make different plays that are huge. And I think that's the formula for winning. These guys, these guys are really good, like you were saying, PK, and they are very talented. But I think... The cool thing about it is is nobody really cares about who gets the credit right now. It's just like, okay, who's going to score here? Who's going to make a big play here? And that's, that's it's just really fun to watch right now. It does feel like a special type of team is brewing right now for the University of Utah. Ah, see? So you admit it. So a special type team. That's not just focusing on the Bruins. You're talking about a team the whole season long and going special forward. Special teams mm. deal with the next thing that's in front of them. That's what special teams do. <laughs> I like how he digs it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> DJ, man, I'm feeling your pain this morning, man. This is just, this is hard work. This is a hard work. Come on, you can do it. You're a first team all whacker. <laughs> I have been for years. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, what do you think of the differences in BYU's offense the last couple of weeks? Because obviously it's been way better. Well, one, they played against a terrible defense on Saturday, uh, a lifeless defense, defense that looked disoriented. I, Man, I, I, I was really frustrated. Obviously, there's emotions tied to Utah State. I felt like there were certain moments in the game where there just wasn't a high level of effort um, from Utah State. But I will say this. Coming out of a bye week, playing against a rival team, it was nice to see BYU with some nice wrinkles in their offense, with some nice play calls, with some different things that were going on um, to take advantage of this Utah State defense that really for the last two weeks uh, has just been uh, just terrible at tackling. I, I don't know what happened to Utah State. I don't know if there's infighting going on up there. I have no idea. But there was just some things there that were just really frustrating if you're a Utah State fan. And I think there's some things there that you got to be really excited about. Um, number one, I think this Romney kid has ice in his veins. I mean, for, for a young quarterback that's a walk-on, that's playing major Division One football, it feels like he hardly has any emotion. He's kind of got – and look, I know before everyone, like, like drives their car off the road with this comparison. I'm I'm talking about a poor man's Joe Montana as far as like his his mentality and the way he reacts to things and the way he just kind of throws the ball. He's this little skinny kid just throwing the ball around and and there's there's a flash of Joe Montana to me. And I know BYU fans don't like Joe Montana because of the Steve Young thing, but there's a there's just a feel there that that I really like his mindset and the way that he plays football. Obviously, we're, we're hoping for the best from Jaron Hall. I thought he played a fantastic game in the first half. I thought he was running the ball, and I thought he was throwing the ball well, and he was taking what the defense was giving him. But, man, there's a, there's a lot of good things going on for BYU, and I, I just, you know, they, they've been so up and down, it's been hard for me to understand what's going on with this team. I mean, the win over USC, and then you lose to Toledo, and you lose to South Florida, and then you turn around and beat Boise State and Utah State. I don't, I don't even know. It's like it's like I'm in Forrest Gump or something. This is a, a box of chocolates. I never know what I'm going to get, right? Yeah. So I don't know if you can answer this. I certainly don't know how this works, but I suspect it works somehow, and you're in the recruiting thing, so maybe you know about the transferring thing too. But there aren't many schools that have three quarterbacks that look this good. Uh, USC would be the other school in the West that pops to mind. And we know all about the transfer portal, and we know some people recruiting cheat and, for lack of a better word, tampering, which is more of a pro-NBA thing. But how much your school is going to come after a school that's got three quarterbacks that play well? Well, the film that all these guys have right now, I mean, they'd be attractive to whoever. I, I think for the most part, most teams are fairly respectful of, of not tampering. But if you open up that door at all, if if whispers get out from a high school coach like, hey, you know, Romney would be open to playing at Arizona State or, you know, he'd be open to playing at Arizona, then then I think it, it opens up Pandora's box. But I don't I don't think most of them are actively seeking it. Uh, the question is, is, you know, how how loyal are these guys to the program? How willing are they to wait their turn, depending on what happens with Zach Wilson when he comes back? and how long he ends up playing for BYU. So that, there's a lot of factors that go into this, but I think if any of those quarterbacks were to open the door right now with Jaron Hall or Romney, I think, 
I think there'd be definitely people that were interested in that. And, and the portal has really changed a lot of things. And, and I think people are trying to fill out the portal right now too, because there's a lot of coaches that like, once you put your name in the portal, you're pretty much not on the team anymore. To them. And so once you make that decision to go on the portal, you, you better make sure that you have something sort of lined up or that you're pretty sure that you're going to get lined up somewhere because, man, you don't want to put your name on that thing because that's going to cause problems for you on the current team that you're on. You, in other words, you can't put your name in the portal and then come back and say, God, I really made a mistake, Coach. I'm really sorry. That's, not, that's, that's probably not going to go very well for you. So Gary Anderson is sensitive to this, but I think it's clear, at least from the eye test, from my point of view, Jordan Love isn't playing as well as he did last year. What's going on? Dude, it's, it's, it's been really frustrating for me to watch. Um, uh, and, you know, if BYU had, had, had gone with like a, a three-man front and dropped five under and three deep, and that was the first time they'd done it, they hadn't seen it on film, you know, but but they did that to the USC quarterback. They've done that. They did that to Boise, and I just don't understand why there wasn't number one a little bit better of a game plan. Number two, I don't know what's going on with Jordan Love, other than that I can tell you this: I, I I've watched Utah State very closely for the last three games. I watched the Nevada game, the Arizona, excuse me, the Air Force game, and the BYU game. And there is no doubt in my mind that he is pressing way too hard. And I almost feel like, and, and, and this, this might sound weird, I don't, and, I, and I know some coaches that have done this in the past, I almost feel like that when he starts making some of those mistakes, like what needs to happen with him is he needs to be benched for a series. Mm. Just, just to kind of say, hey, like, look, you're still our guy. You're 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 the man here, but we need you to play better football. Why don't you come and stand here on the sideline and just take a look at the speed of the game, take a look at what the defense is doing, and then get back in there and play the football we know you can play. Because if you were to compare last year's Jordan Love to this year's Jordan Love, I mean, it's not even close. If, if I were to bet my house before this season, you know, and you said – Jordan Love would have the statistics that he has right now based on the year that he had last year. I probably would have bet my mortgage on it. Yeah. I, I mean, that's how confident I was that he would not play the way that he's playing. And I think, I think, yes, I think there's teammates that are, that are, you know, dropping ball. Yeah. I, I think you can do all those things, but I think it's time to take a hard look at like, what is going on with Jordan Love? If you're pressing too hard, I mean, Hey dude, Take the NFL off the table right now, and let's just play for our teammates, right? Take the NFL off your table, and let's just play for personal pride on taking care of the football and playing better football. But to me, especially in the Nevada game when I was watching it, and they won 36-3, to it was a terrible offensive output by Utah State. All I could think in my head, and the announcers in that game kept saying, oh, yeah, and there's an NFL team every week that's coming in to scout Jordan Love. All I could think in my head is, that's all he's thinking about. He's pressing so hard that he wants to make it to the NFL, and I don't know if it's to change his family or to change his livelihood or just you know the goal that all of us wanted when we played to play in the NFL. I don't know what it is, but he is pressing, and he is pressing hard, and he needs to just take a step back and say, hey, I still need to play football for the same reason that I played when I was nine years old, and that's because it's really fun to throw to my buddy a touchdown and celebrate together. 
So, real quick, we got to go, but I want you to rank these because I think we've, I think everybody in the media has heard these three things. One, Jordan's been hurt. Um, the NFL guys on campus, the, that's affecting him mentally. Two, new offensive coordinator, that's impacted him. Three, he doesn't have the depth the quantity and quality of receivers that he was surrounded with last year who helped him look even better. And, and I guess four other, maybe there's something else out there. If you had to rank those four real quick, how would you rank them in order of the impact they're having on the offense right now? Almost exactly the way you said it. Number one, I think, is um, is just pressing. There's NFL scouts around. There's lots of talk about it. There's been lots of talk about it since the offseason. Number two to me is is there's players around him that are different. I mean, Tarver and Raymond last year, I mean, those guys could go up and get 50-50 balls, and he threw a lot of 50-50 balls that they came down with. It was one of those years where they just came down with a lot of the plays that they needed to make. Three is a change in offensive coordinator, and I think a little bit of the problem right now with the new offensive coordinator is they're trying to adapt to the style of offense that they played in the past because he did so well in it. And I think that changes the way that the offense coordinator calls it now. I think you'll see this offense evolve more into um, Sanford's style the further and further we go into the Gary Anderson uh, years. And then, you know, other, who knows what the other is, but there's got to be something else going on. But that's the way I'd rank those. All right, Riles, we appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes, and we will talk to you again next week. I appreciate you guys. There's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show is the Jazz beat the Sixers. Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley coming up. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz beat the Philadelphia 76ers 106-104. You know, I don't know if you've heard, but they've, they've had a problem rebounding. Well, they fixed that. I don't know if they fixed it long-term or they fixed it for one night, but they certainly did fix it for the Philly game. They out-rebound Philly 50-42, to and they have more offensive rebounds 14-7. to And in a two-point game, those are big stats. Now, why was it a two-point game? I hate to complain about wins. That's what you say right before you complain about wins, which is what I'm about to do. But the Jazz were up there, 10, 11 points. It looked good late third, early fourth. Had a chance to blow it out, but they had to go to the bench, and the bench really had its issues. They just When they went to the bench, it was a problem. You know, the Jazz, there's so many San Antonio influences here, and the Spurs have been good about building a deep bench, and then your bench beats their bench, which makes life easier for your starters when they come in. And the Jazz have benefited from that the last few years. They've had depending on guys and injuries and all that, of course. But they've had some stretches where the bench has really helped them. But right now, their bench is a negative. It just, and, you know, Moutier's out. He didn't play. And uh, obviously, Davis is out for a while. And so they don't really even have their whole bench. Those are two guys who should be playing a big role up the bench. Maybe they'll get Exum here soon. He's supposed to be getting closer to 100%. Um, but the fact is, when Yang was in, and minus 17. When Jeff Green's out there, minus 13. Um, Joe Ingles and Donovan Mitchell had their plus minuses – 
uh, dragged down because they got to be out there with the bench. And when the bench came in, the Sixers went on runs, and the Jazz ended up eking it out. Even even when the starters came back in, they didn't exactly take the game by the throat. But hey, they did what had to be done to get the win, and that's the most important thing at this point. Lots of teams have made changes and are figuring stuff out. If you can find a way to win by a point in Phoenix or win by two at home against Philly while you're figuring stuff out, all the better. If you could have won in Sacramento, all the better. But they didn't get that one. But they got this one against the Sixers. And they rebounded well. Conley hit some shots. Not like he was red hot, but 6 of 15, 40%. It's better than what we've seen from him. And he finished with 15 points. And he had six rebounds. Uh, Bogdanovich had six boards. Jeff Green had six boards in 18 minutes. Saw a lot of guys rebounding. And then, of course, Rudy was out there gobbling up 16 of them. All right, let's get to the best of the postgame show. Here it is on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Big win for the Jazz last night, 106-104 over the Philadelphia 76ers. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. Big win for the Jazz. Uh, most importantly, sealed up some of those issues on the boards. Jazz out-rebounding uh, Philadelphia last night, 50-42 to and 14-7 to on the offensive glass. Uh, the Jazz were led by Donovan Mitchell's 24 points. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich had 20. Mike Conley with 15 points last night. Rudy Gobert with 14 points to go along with 16 rebounds. And Joe Ingles, who you'll hear on the Joe Ingles show later this morning, with 16 points on 6 of 11 shooting. So let's uh, get you some post-game sound, get you caught up on everything that happened during the post-game last night. Let's start off with Jazz, uh, Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. The next thing was to rebound and not give them second chance points you know they've led the league in that area and you know and then it would we we fouled too much but I, I think you know our aggressiveness on the glass you know led to some of that and sometimes I mean they put you in tough spots and some really talented offensive players that um, you know put you in difficult positions where you can foul it's hard not to but you know, I wish we could have been a little better keeping them off the line, but I thought we, you know, we rebounded well more than anything. So, and obviously, there's other things you you're thinking about, but those are the primary things. Quinn, after a pretty back and forth first half, it seemed like mm-hmm. the energy change coming out of halftime. Was there any schematic difference that you made? Any change you made, or or was it just a matter of uh, effort and energy? Yeah, I mean, I, I the, the games go, you know, there's an ebb and a flow to a game. Um, you know, you wish you could be good every quarter. Um, you know, I thought late we, you know, we fouled some and, and it didn't didn't show it with our fourth quarter points. But I thought we executed pretty good down the stretch when we needed to. Um, and you know, I I, th- I think you know we want to compete the whole game. And there's times when um, you know, it's going to look better than others. But I, I feel like our team is ready to go and had the right mindset. Coach, it seemed like Boyan had maybe his best defensive outing. Did good against uh, Al Horford tonight. He had a big stretch there, where he, you know, defending on the post, really defending everywhere, but particularly, um, you know, guarding there on the post, and um, you know, and he, he he guarded him, and you know, you're 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 successful in that in that situation, even if you just stay between him and the basket and and try to keep him off the line and make him hit a tough shot and. In this case, Boyan did those things, and you know we're fortunate that you know the ball didn't didn't go in. But I, I thought he, you know, he was really really solid and, and competed in those situations. Talking about the rebounding, what was it that you guys did at practice yesterday, shoot around this morning to kind of turn that category around a little bit? Yeah, um, it 
the same thing we didn't do before the Clipper game. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it, we there there's no oftentimes there's there's no magic it's just um, a level of focus and and usually when you have a team I, I think like ours that has character when you, you something's taken from you it, it hurts and it's painful and it brings your attention more to what you had to do and obviously you know we didn't so, sometimes you think of rebounding as just desire um, and it's certainly some of that as well I mean you've got to have um, an aggressiveness I thought tonight we got more 50-50 balls. Mike Conley did a great job on the glass, you know, terrific job. And he came up with with loose balls too. But, it, it, you know, oftentimes rebounding is execution and guys helping each other out and not taking anything for granted. So I, I think we had, um, you know, greater urgency on the boards tonight. And obviously it was something that, you know, that our guys internalized. You know, we watched film and, it, you know, th- those – those are boxes you're checking, and you know our guys. You know came to came to rebound, came to play, and they were physical tonight. And you know everybody did it. You know. You've talked about wanting uncontested shots, but not particularly being in love with the the mid range jumper. So, what do you advise your players when the open shots are the mid range jumpers? Because it seemed like there were a lot. Take of those. open shots. You know, I mean, I, I think that there's. You know, the, the the misconception is that, you know, if you've got a layup or a mid-range shot, like layups are easier, you know, three-point shots are worth more. So, but, you know, teams take away the rim, teams take away the three-point line, that's that's the shot that, that you want to hit. And I think there's a balance there. Um, you know, I thought our guys got to the rim tonight too. Um, sometimes you need to loosen the defense by pulling up and you know that's something that we work on you know and, and um, but there's a there's a balance to to how you play the game and you know our guys know uh, how we feel about you know trying to generate offense and it's up to them to make those reads and make those plays we can we can talk about you know things that we're looking for I, I've wanted us to shoot more threes I still feel that way but that doesn't necessarily mean don't take open shots it means um, you know to be be aware and try to generate more threes but if we're getting open shots I think that's the main thing and um, you know oftentimes if there are shots that our team expects we have a chance to rebound them too which we did better tonight There's Quinn Snyder after his team beat the Sixers 106-104. Let's now go into the locker room. Let's start things off with Tony Bradley, of course, getting more playing time with uh, Ed Davis being hurt. And Tony was very good last night. Eight points on four of five shooting. He also had three boards, had a steal, and played really tough those 12 minutes he was out there. And here's what he had to say after the game. Continue to produce in your game. What were you most proud to show tonight after all the work you put in? Uh, Just... To help the team win, I guess that's all I could say. Um, it feels good to help contribute. What was the biggest thing you felt like you had to work on during the offseason to put yourself in the best position to help a team win? Uh, probably just getting stronger, just getting more in shape, which um, I'm not done yet. I still got a ways to go, but I feel like I've been making good progress since I've been here. Quinn Snyder and Rudy Gobert, they're standing there talking with you. They're at the scores table before you come in in those critical minutes. What are they saying to you? But at the same time, it seemed as if you were very mentally ready for that situation. Uh, well, I, I knew Rudy was, he had five fouls, so I was just getting ready mentally, you know, to go in. Um, but just don't foul. They were telling me, don't foul. Don't foul him. Um, be careful. Hands up. Just little things like that. 
You have uh, consistently worked so hard behind the scenes, things like that, uh, trying to perfect all the little things to get yourself ready for that. Um, what is one of the most things that you're proud of to put on display tonight? Uh, yeah, being yeah, being teammates with Joe. But yeah, I, I don't know, just the commitment just to the weight room and just Isaiah and Jasper on the court with Vince, just... I guess yeah, the credit goes to them. Did you have to, to learn a different definition of that during this offseason and what that means to get your body into the type of shape you wanted it to be in and your game into the right mode? Um, yeah, I think it's it was important, especially like this is the, the best league like in the world, like best athletes. So you kind of have to be one of those like best athletes. They got to be in shape, you know, strong. But uh, just seeing it from the first two years off the bench, kind of motivated me, but I got a long way still go. You always envision being out there on the floor contributing, and who knows what any night is, minutes-wise or situation-wise. Um, I, I, you know, what, what to you well, were you most pleased about yourself to be uh, able to go out there and perform like that? Because you envisioning it is one thing, performing in that way is another, and you didn't seem phased at all. Um, I, I, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, I just... Just the work, I guess, of putting in just through the help of the the, the staff, you know. Um, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know another way. Just the great work. Thanks, Tony. Guys, that's Tony Bradley. Let's go back to you. That was Tony Bradley in 12 minutes, had eight points, go along with three boards and playing tough, and they'll need him uh, going forward with the injury, of course, to Ed Davis. All right, let's now let you hear from Donovan Mitchell, who had eight assists to go along with his 24 points last night. I mean, so much emphasis on a number of different things, but one of them was rebounding, and you guys as a team seem to come out there and, and perform so well in that area. Do, how, much are you, how much do you feel like this was a more accurate representation of the way you guys play? I think so. I think it allowed us to, you know, we got Mike in on the, on the phone, you know, Bojan, all of us kind of getting there, Royce, Joe, myself, just trying to find ways to get in there and push, push the ball. And when we rebound like that and they send so many guys to the glass, it allows us to get out in transition in the show tonight. Playing tough defense is one thing, but the attention to detail in the late game possessions how do you describe kind of the way you guys executed them i think for us i think it's just focus you know i think we have a team that you know communicates goes through and understands it but um we've had great stretches of defense throughout the entire year we've we've done we defended really well and this is another night of it but we got to keep going and you know rebounding was really one of our weaknesses and we showed it tonight but we can't be happy with just tonight we got to do it again on friday a lot more balance scoring wise to five guys in double figures Mm -hmm. and tony almost had double yeah um first of all tony bradley played his ass off um, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, haven't seen the work he's put in, you know, but for him to go out there and do it, obviously, you know, Joel got to the free throw line 18 times, but for him to go 5 or 16 between Rudy and, and Tony, that's uh, give them credit for sure. Um, and then, yeah, on the offensive end, just making each other's lives easier. I think for me, um, just trying to find ways to get guys open, you know, find ways to penetrate and kick and not just shoot it every time. How much did you find a mental rhythm tonight, making a play for yourself or a teammate, um, the I eight think, assists? You know, in the first quarter, you know, kind of opening up at the mid-range and then finding Boyan. Boyan got going, now it opens the game, and then Joe gets going. Rudy gets to the rim and gets lobs. I think once you kind of attack and then it, op- it opens a lot of things up for you. Are you finding out the importance of you guys controlling the glass against mm-hmm. tonight? How much of a focus was that going in, and, and what made you guys? Uh, 100% focus, focus. I think for us, we lost the past two games. I would say just because I wouldn't say solely off of that, but you know, a big part of it was off of the uh, offensive rebounds. We came in with a team that you know was you know pretty big. You know, the, the smallest player was six six uh, on the floor, except for Raul. But um, I think just just continuing to, to box out and get hits. 
It, it seems like you're having to shoot a lot of mid-range jumpers, which makes it harder to get to the free throw line. How much do you want to take those? Because they're open. I'm just mad I missed. You know, those are shots I've. If you watch pregame, I take about. 30 of those in pregame and then even before that and shoot around and um, I'm taking I've been taking them all summer and I'm gonna continue to do that uh, if that's given to me but you know the biggest thing is you know not just settling you know I think that's you look at a guy like Boyan who could take the same shots but he's getting to the rim so I gotta find ways to do that I think I did that late you know but kind of do that throughout, throughout the course of the game Donovan is this a game that you would have won last would not have won last year or is um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I think it just for me, speaking personally, I think for us, I think it's, you know, more so like the offensive load. I think defensively we, we would have been there in the same spot, but I think offensively with things have opened up, you know. Um, one thing that made me smile is Bojan's three, you know, on the peel, just being able to get off it, you know, Mike being able to make plays, Joe being able to make plays. I think that's one of the biggest things um, that would change from last year to this year. Sixers are really known for their length, but it seemed like you guys got comfortable and were able to adjust as the first quarter went on. Where do you feel like you were able to make the biggest adjustments on the floor? I think for us, just attacking. You know, obviously the mid-range and the little, being able to attack that and make them have to commit. And then we find Rudy, then we find the corner for threes and move the ball. I think that's that's where it really uh, helped. You, in the third quarter, there was that, that series where you had that save. You followed a couple yeah. of your shots, saved it. Green got called for the foul, but what does that say about the hustle of this team? Uh, I mean, man, that was the loudest yeah. the arena was just, we could, just being competitive and then competing, you know, not giving up. You know, myself diving to the stands, George and Joe running into each other. Uh, Jeff chasing it down. I think it just shows how much the tenacity and how much will we have. How do you keep Keep the intensity, keep the composure when you're up by a bunch and then they start creeping back in. Um, just being able to understand that they're going to make runs. You know, um, they're, and they made the, what was it, the semifinals last year. So for us, it's just continuing to, to plug away. You know, it's not always going to be a 30-point win. It's not going to be a 50-point win against teams like that, but we stuck with it and we got the W. The win-loss result is always one thing, but you always talk about the importance of just being honest about everything going on. What's the most honest conversation this team is having with themselves about being great consistently? we got to be able to rebound, you know, I think that was it. We got to be able to go out there and, you know, lock in and, and get hits. And once we did that, guys were able to run in transition. We got open looks. Guys, that's Donovan Mitchell. Let's go back upstairs to you. There is Donovan Mitchell, of course, talking about getting everybody else going. And uh, a lot of Jazz players had good performances offensively last night. Five guys uh, in double figures. Uh, let's go with uh, another one who was in double figures last night, Boyan Bogdanovich, who had 20 points, who also played very well on Tobias Harris defensively. And here's what he had to say after the game. Four or five big sometimes in a, on a court, but just just our focus and, 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 and will to get a, to get a those rebounds to take us to, to this level. You really took it to them in the third quarter. It was pretty noticeable that you stretched out and built a big, a big lead there. What was the difference and what went well in that stretch? There was no any any difference. We played great defense even in a, in the first quarter, but they hit a couple couple tough shots. Embiid got it going early early on, but uh, like you mentioned, we, like, like I said, we controlled the board. We had a couple easy easy wide open open trees in a, in a fast break. Yeah. Side, they made their run. How, how do how do you keep the composure to, to hold them off? Did make the run. I mean, we knew that how how good how good they are. That obviously we knew that they're gonna make make some run hits hits tough tough shots. But uh, we were we were calm and that that moment we put a ball in, in Donovan's hands. We knew that he's gonna make the right place play for all of us. 
defensively tonight, Bullion, like how do you describe kind of the depth of the scouting report that happens to be there on each individual player and just how much that's helping the players? That's that's how we try to approach every single game from, from defensive and defensive board. We finally control control that and, and, and whoever whoever is getting going in offensive end it's, it's it's good for us. We are trying to look look for them for, for that guy. Boyan, thank you. No problem. Guys, that's Boyan Bogdanovich. Let's go back to you. That's Boyan Bogdanovich last night, 20 points on 9 of 18 shooting. Did have a very nice night defensively. Also had 5 assists and 6 rebounds. Good overall game, no doubt, for Bogdanovich. All right, let's let you now hear from Rudy Gobert. Rudy, you guys uh, pride yourselves on defense. There's no doubt about that. But what was the key to being so good with those big defensive possessions down the stretch? I think, first of all, we try to keep them off the line. You know, they, they have a lot of free throws. That I think we should have done a better job. But the good thing was that we rebounded the ball. And uh, it was a big point of emphasis, especially coming after the two losses we had. You know, it was, uh, it was key for us. And uh, they were the best defensive team in the league. I mean, rebounding team in the league, and we did a great job tonight. Were you Tony Bradley tonight? You've watched him so many times behind the scenes, putting in so much work. What was the message to him before he went out there? And what did you see in his work to know that he was going to be so ready for that opportunity? To me, I try to stay on him about the defense, you know, and the, and the rebounds and, and, and the toughness. You know, offensively, he's very talented and he, he's able to, you know, to get those, those finishes and, and those roles. So it's, it's great for the team. But I think the, the area when you can really impact the game and need to step it up is the defense. And he's learning, you know, and it's great that he has us opportunity to you know to get those minutes and, uh, and to learn it, I think it's going to be a big part of what we do especially with with Ed Davis out for a few weeks Joel Embiid down the stretch I mean, having to, to guard him and doing what he did I mean it was fine it was fine you know he went to the line a lot uh, just try to play physical you know and then it's on it's on the official to decide if, if it's illegal or not a legal play and uh, you know he's a very talented player and you know it's always a battle so much emphasis defensively with the way Bogdanovich played and so many other guys but how much credit goes to this staff and the detail and the level of expertise they have on their scouting report I mean it's yeah every every, every single person you know the work we do behind the scenes and uh, the work we do to prepare ourselves and the coaching staff help us a lot doing that you know preparing ourselves mentally for the game and uh, you know, tonight we knew that if we didn't rebound the ball, we, we didn't have a chance, you know, and we did a great job doing that. Donovan, with eight assists tonight in the time you've had a chance to watch him in this third year, just how much better has he continued to be at knowing when to make a play for a teammate, knowing when to play, make a play for himself? I think the game is slowing down for him, you know, and uh, he's just learning how to try to make the right play at the right time, you know, and we, we try to, you know, help him as much as we can, but at the same time, let him play his game, you know, and... Uh, if he, if he stays aggressive and, able, and is able to find the open man, you know, it's, it's, it's huge for us and uh, it's huge for the whole team. What's the mindset when you guys are up big but then they start chipping away there in the fourth quarter to, to hold on? The mindset is to, first of all, keep, keep taking good shots offensively, keep attacking them, moving the ball, sharing the ball, and, uh, and defensively get the, don't give them any second chance points and 
and try to defend, get some stops. You know, they, I mean, they made a few tough shots. I think we played. A, they, there was a few times when we they hit a tough three at the at the end of the shot clock and or a few offensive rebound, and then we put them on the line when we shouldn't we shouldn't have to. And beside that, I think we did a great job. Emphasizing rebound is one thing, but how personally did you guys take the last two games in that department? I mean, we know we. Beside myself, we are kind of like undersized team. You know, we we usually going to be facing teams that are bigger than we are. So we know that we have to do the little the little work early. You know, we we have to get hit, we have to be physical, and uh, and then we got to clean up the boards. And if we do that, you know, we we able to run on teams. And uh, with the fact that we're small and we space the floor, you know, it's really hard for them to. To run back on defense and and, uh, and to get a stop. How often, guys? That's Rudy Gobert. Let's go back to you. There's Rudy Gobert, 14 points, 16 boards, and did a very nice job against Joel Embiid. And Embiid had 27 points and 16 boards last night, but had 5 of 16 shooting. It did a lot of damage at the line, 16 of 18, but certainly you'll take 5 of 16 shooting from Joel Embiid, no doubt about it. Up next for the Utah Jazz, they'll take on the Milwaukee Bucks on Friday night. Game time is at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage here on The Zone begins at 6. There's the best of the postgame show as the Jazz take down the Sixers and back at it tomorrow night against the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll take a break and come back with what is trending. All the headlines. Stay with us.